Welcome to episode 1001 of The Sleeper in the Bus. I am Justin Mason, joined as always by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well. And before I forget, man, thanks to everybody that gave us great feedback on episode 1000. Uh, that was the best part. I mean, recording it was awesome and was such, mm-hmm. such fun. Uh, and I wish y'all could have seen the live stream because you know me calling Bradley Zimmer writing that down before Justin revealed it was was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, all the feedback and the, and the notes we got on Twitter. Uh, thank you so much because you're the reason why we do this. Absolutely. And speaking of live stream, we're doing kind of a live stream on this episode. So for for those of you, most of you, I'm sure, who are going to be listening to this uh, when the episode comes out later, I'll try and something a little bit different. For those of you who uh, you know subscribe to our Discord through our Patreon, uh, I put a private link into the Discord. So if you want to join us while we stream this episode live, you can. And if it works well... I will continue to do this for other episodes. So we'll see how well it works. If people like it, uh, I know that I've done other live streams and people enjoy kind of coming into them and BSing with us. You can, you know, comment, you can ask questions. Uh, so uh, to do, to get signed up for that, you just have to go over to the Sleeper in the Bus Patreon. I think Patreon backslash Sleeper in the Bus uh, and sign up for the Discord tier, which I believe is $4.20 because we're children. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. Hey, that's all right. I, I did a. I was writing up something the other day, and oh, I was writing up a bold prediction on Josiah Gray, and he. I said he had a high four point two zero walk rate, and I, I. You know me, I like using round numbers, and I was like, no, I can't pass this one up because I had to be a child. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, joining us today is a special guest. This is Greg Jewett. Greg is a friend of mine. Uh, we've worked together at a number of different places around the industry, including fan grabs and uh, well, fantasy alarm. Uh, Greg is my go to guy when it comes to closers. You can catch his written work on The Athletic, you can also. Uh, catch uh, his closer charts, which are vital to draft prep and in-season management in terms of your closers over on his reliever uh, recon. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you, Justin. And hello, Jason. Hopefully we we maintain you through the weather all the, the whole show here. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. If I could pan over, it's it's not pretty outside. Uh, I, I did go walking earlier and there is like ice everywhere. Um so, yeah, I see the kids outside. The weirdest part of this is because we get it so rarely here in Southeast Charlotte, but how quiet it is outside. And that's what's amazing. You walk outside and you don't hear any cars because, you know, honestly, unless you really have to go somewhere, you shouldn't be on the roads today. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's disastrous out here in Northern California. I mean, it is nine o'clock in the morning and it is 65 degrees. Wow, man. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know how I'm going to survive. <laughs> uh, Greg, before we get started, uh, remind everybody where you can reach on social media and then talk about what you do uh, for The Athletic and then, of course, at Reliever Recon. All right, thank you. Uh, the, the old Twitter machine is at G-J-E-W-E-T-T-9. I have to spell that because even my own school has an email with my wrong, uh, with my last name spelled wrong. So uh, <laughs> I, still, I still do that and it's... With my son being a hockey player, it's always wonderful hearing the different pronunciations. But when we're in Canada, it's Jouette, but it's Jouette down here in the States. But, um, yes, uh, once the season, hopefully, 
and as lockout transpires and things start happening, uh, usually around March, I will start doing uh, weekly columns on the athletic as their closer expert with the, you know, the, what, however you want to label that. And then uh, I ha- I'm fortunate that four uh, talented people joined me uh, on our Patreon reliever recon. Um, we're already up to, I think, 113 subscribers, which is good, but obviously we would like to see many more in there. But for $3 a month, we provide uh, all kinds of relief pitcher coverage. We have uh, Eric Simulski, who will be doing video coverage. Uh, we have a weekly podcast with Nate Markham and Aaron Pags, And then the bullpen guru in season will be doing, for those of you that play head-to-head leagues or where you can do daily pickups, he focuses on uh, – Obviously, he, he loves raise relievers because they always can rack up wins and things of that nature, but he does a daily chart. And then my closer charts, which I've been doing for five years, will now be only for subscribers. But with the amount of time I put into those, I, I think $3 a month uh, is fair justification, if not more. And we appreciate all the support and uh, hopefully we'll keep growing the brand. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I got a bone to pick with Nate Great. He broke okay. my coffee mug. If you look on Twitter, I ordered a Believe coffee mug. Ted Lasso showed up, and it was broken in the box, and I'm blaming Nate the Great Markham. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> I believe you. I apologized on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, if you are not already subscribing to all the work that they're doing over there, that you're doing over there, uh, you need to. It's it's well worth the money. Uh, $3 is a tiny price to pay for the amount of research uh, and information that goes into the work over there. I've used your closer charts for years. Uh, I have to go over and re-sign up because I accidentally signed up for uh, the Patreon through the Sleeper on the Bus Patreon, and the boss at Fangraphs was not very happy about all the emails. I was happy about all the emails, but the boss at, uh, <laughs> the boss was not so happy. So uh, I will definitely be doing that as well. Uh, and I encourage everybody listening to go do that. Uh, we're going to talk a bunch of relieving situations, closing situations, because there are a mess of them today uh, or, or currently in, in Major League Baseball, which is driving the prices of closers through the roofs and early drafts. Uh, it's been absolutely crazy. But before we do that... We've just got a couple other uh, news items to kind of cover. Uh, The CBA discussions happened this last week. Um, The one big thing that came out of there, other than they don't have a deal yet, I don't think anybody was expecting them to have a deal, uh, is that the DH in the National League seems like it has uh, approval on both sides. So I'll start with you here, Greg. How is this changing the way you're going to look at your the fantasy landscape if we know that the NL will have the DHs here? Uh, slightly. Uh, it's I don't want to overreact to this. I think I did a column when I was still with Fantasy Alarm about, you know, oh, what would happen if this, this transpired? But we're seeing more and more teams uh, use the DH spot as like uh, a day of rest. So a third baseman is going to DH for the day, um, not strictly – still the the days of like one guy being the dh the whole time uh like a nelson cruz is is kind of going by the wayside uh segue alert almost just like the closer position so um people using it in that fashion now it will it will change how i view somebody like will smith so if they use him on days off as a dh like 
Kansas City does with Salvador Perez, then we're getting more plate appearances out of a talented catcher entering his his prime peak, or excuse me, his power peak, then that changes how I view him. But on an overall basis, it all depends. Now, of course, one other guy is Ozuna. If he gets cleared to return this year, him not playing in the outfield definitely changes his uh, overall outcomes as well. Jason, what are your thoughts on this? How, how are you preparing for life without pitchers hitting? Uh, I'm crying tears of joy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> somebody who's been one of the vocal, like, oh, my God, stop this already for so long. Uh, yeah, everything Greg said, I mean, obviously apply real muto to that as well. Uh, so <laughs> catcher value may come up uh, even more because some of these guys will be getting uh, more more playing time, not behind the plate. I think it also impacts how we're going to deal with pitchers because, you know, there are guys in the national league relievers that end up getting wins because the pitcher, you know, the starting pitcher gets taken out due to offensive situations. Somebody comes in. Uh, and so we may see NL pitchers staying in there a bit longer. Uh, it's going to impact their ERA and their whip just a little bit. We've already seen in, in, in normal seasons with the, the difference in ERA between the American league and national league. So you got to adjust a little bit for that as well. Uh, but happily would make all those adjustments if this finally comes to pass. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I mean, I, 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 for very many years were, uh, was a supporter of no DH in the NL. Uh, and in the last, you know, 10 or so years, I have kind of turned around on that. And so I'm kind of excited to not have to witness pitchers hitting on a regular basis. Uh, in terms of fantasy, uh, obviously, you know, you're going to have to, account for that in terms of pitchers uh you know they're not going to be able to you know get quite as many strikeouts with the uh, the addition of an actual hitter into the lineup um you know the the big thing is the amount of jobs that'll be open too though you know guys like nelson cruz are going to have 15 new teams uh to potentially go to uh, a, a guy like your man mercedes who is crushing balls in Dominican Winter League right now. Um, the White Sox may have 15 new trade partners uh, in order to get him a role. So he's a guy that I might start targeting. Uh, I thought late. the White Sox loved him. I thought Larissa really loved him. Mm. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I think you might be thinking of someone else. Um, so, uh, you know, start looking. I'm going to, you know, I'll probably start doing this pretty soon here, uh, is looking at different. Uh, each situation in the National League and seeing, okay, who's going to benefit most? I love what Greg was saying. This is something I've been saying uh, since the end of the season uh, in terms of catching catchers, right? Catchers who are going to gain more plate appearances because they can TH on their days off. Yeah. Guys like Tyler Stevenson, guys like Will Smith, uh, you know, those are guys have already been kind of targeting this offseason, but those, and you know, JT Real Muto, those NL catchers who are one of the better hitters on their team already that could find themselves in an extra hundred plate appearances or more uh, because of uh, because of the NL uh, DH uh, this year. So, and I would say one more thing, you know, as you're if if you're doing some drafts right now or you know, anything, any early work, you know, try and factor it in, into your plans because once this you know once this does change, we would expect a flurry of activity. Uh, you you mentioned Mercedes possibly opening up uh, to different trade partners, but things are going to change in a hurry. And so that's when you're going to see players that maybe hide in the three, 400, 580 P range could go zoom based on some kind of trade. So if you like somebody's skills, you know, 
target them now. It's it's especially mm-hmm. when you get into the reserve rounds, whatever. ADP kind of goes by the wayside of then anyhow. But if there's somebody you target, uh, I think a great example of that would be Craig Kimball. Right now, he's not closing, but he has the skills, and maybe the White Sox decide to move him somewhere. You want to see somebody's value skyrocket if he goes to a team, uh, given that we're talking about 19 different teams and their bullpen situation? <laughs> there's a lot of different things out here. Uh, and so, like, his value, I don't know exactly where his ADP is right now, but it could easily jump up 100 spots uh, in a week if he were to be traded to a, a club that has uh, that uh, where he has the role. He is currently going at pick 155 over the last month in NFBC uh, draft champions league. So I don't know that he can go. He's going to necessarily go up a hundred spots. He's going to go up a lot of spots uh, for sure. They're dead, but they're definitely people who are being pretty sharp right now and drafting him, knowing that the White Sox are really, really likely to trade him to a team like the Phillies or, uh, you know, some of the other teams that are got a little bit shakier, uh, closing situations. Uh, before we talk about some of those closing situations, let's talk about the Orioles making a change to their part. They, uh, they are extending left field uh, to many people's chagrin. Uh, it could obviously impact some of their right-handed hitters in Camden Yards. Uh, Jason, what are your thoughts on this move? And is there anybody you're you know, ri- uh, raising in your ranks or lowering? Uh, you know, if, if you haven't, if you, if you follow me on Twitter the last couple of days, I've been retweeting some stuff from, um, Andrew Perpetua. Uh, he's got, he's done some layouts of what it looks like now. Camden Yards now has the deepest left field. We're talking from the line all the way to where Death Valley is for Yankee stadium. Like that part, that third is now, is now Oriole Park at Camden Yards. That is the deepest part. I look at it as the inverse of Fenway in that regards. Because you think about Fenway goes from 302 to 380. That's essentially what left field is now in in Camden, but with a bigger wall in play as well. Now, with the dimension they're putting into place, and Todd's always made some points about this, where uh, it could change the way runs are produced in that park, where we, we may now have more doubles, possibly triples, more hits, because the, the fielders have to play back a little more, so some stuff can fall in front. Uh, so it may change the way things are, but your right-handed pull hitters, you know, your Ryan Mountcastle, uh, Trey Mancini, it, it hurts. Uh, you know, just thankfully, th- thankfully, they're not touching the the right field. Uh, where where uh, you know we talked about Odor in episode one thousand, uh, we saw what Mullins could do in that park last year with that left-handed pull hitter should still do well, but a right-handed pull hitter, you just it, it hurts. I mean, I think. When Andrew, and one of the things I tweeted yesterday, he was talking about potentially like a 20% reduction in home run rates overall uh, for that. And so it, it may make a, a couple of more of their pitchers rosterable. I mean, I did like Tyler Wells just because of the role um, and John Means because of the ability. But now maybe there's another one or two arms we may be able to take a chance on uh, because of this. Because I mean, this was Baltimore's doing this because it's cheaper than developing pitchers. Like for now, this is their bridge. Throw the wall back. Uh, yeah, I made the comparison years ago, uh, you know, for all you old farts listening, uh, when when Cleveland had Alex Cole back at Municipal Stadium, they changed the dimensions of the outfield because they're like, hey, we got this really super fast guy who covers a lot of ground and hits a lot of triples. Let's leverage him. So they changed the dimensions and then Alex Cole sucked. Uh, and so they changed him back. Or if you want to get really old, um, Bill Veck used to play with dimensions by game. Uh, depending on our, our by pitcher who was pitching, like he tried to put his uh, the outfield walls on wheels and rolled it in and out. 
uh, type of thing. So there, I mean, there's different things, but to me, this was how can we cheaply protect our pitchers until we get good pitchers and we can develop them. Hey, let's just blow away a bunch of seats. Nobody was sitting in anyhow. Uh, and that's what they've done. This is to me is too extreme. I love that ballpark. It's a great ballpark, but this was an extreme change. Greg, what are your thoughts on this change? Yeah, there's not really much I can expound upon that. And especially it, it stung because I was doing a uh, two hour 12 team for the on the wire listener league uh, from pitchers list and I, I took Austin Hayes as my fourth outfielder, and I felt really good about it. And then I saw that news. That news, I think, came out about three days later, and I was like, oh, for God's sake. So, anyways, hopefully it won't impact him too much, but you automatically dial down the home run upside that you were kind of hoping for because in the second half he had 14 home runs, four stolen bases. So, you know, we're, we're going to be chopping those down a little bit. So now instead of thinking he might be, uh, I think Steamer had him for 26, you're dialing that down to like 21. Um, so it just changes some of your ceiling on these players. Uh, I think it'll pop probably, I know you already mentioned in a tweet that you were going to downgrade Mountcastle as well. Um, so, you know, we, we don't want to overreact, but we don't want to ignore it at the same, at the same token. Yeah, there were a few people when I when I tweeted that they mentioned the fact that it could increase the BABIP on those players as well because it's such a, it's going to be such a spacious part of the park, which is is totally true. But I'm not necessarily drafting Ryan Mountcastle uh, for batting average. Like I'm, I'm I'm drafting it for power, and he's a guy who's probably going to be most affected. Definitely going to take a tumble in my ranks. I'll be I'll be finalizing those this weekend and probably t- uh, uh, posting them uh, next week for those of you who are in who already subscribed to that tier in the patreon you can see them as they do it i know there were a few people uh, last night as i was moving things around in my catcher ranks uh, that were watching what i was doing live so um yeah unfortunately i think it's gonna hurt Mountcastle and uh hayes the most mancini actually has a, a a considerably longer fly ball average fly ball distance than uh mount castle and hayes and so he might be a little bit less affected. Maybe he loses a few home runs. I think uh, one of the charts that Andrew or maybe it was Mike Curland had tweeted out showed that he he would have only lost two home runs uh, because of this uh, move. So, you know, maybe Man sees one of those guys that dips because of this, but you can kind of buy low on. Uh, John Means is a guy that I was already interested in. Yeah, This makes things a little bit more interesting, uh, uh, especially if he does not get traded. I know there's some talk that he could get traded out of Baltimore. Uh, as they continue their rebuilding process. Well, and part of it, yeah, you know, part of what you're trying to look at uh, home run charts, you, like you can factor in distance, you can't factor in the fence. I mean, let's not forget they're yep. taking this fence from eight feet to, I think they said 13 feet. Yep. So 13. it's going back 30 feet and up five more feet. Uh, and yep. so uh, when, you know, Andrew did a really good job. So you know, go check in my retweets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he looked at it and he said there were some just maybes, but he broke things down. I want to say by overall, he was talking 18 to 20 percent reduction. Um, but, yeah, go go look because he's got some really nice visuals uh, in it and and had a couple of tweets around it. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he's the guy who founded X stats uh, mm-hmm. used to work in the, in the with the Mets. Uh, but he's got some really nice data. Uh, so he said, you know, even. Uh, see, looking at home runs in left field of Camden from 19 to 21 and comparing to the new dimensions, I made the following groups by eye, nothing specific or scientific. 94 home runs lost, 110 home runs over the new fences, 37 maybes. Assume half the maybes are homers and you get a 47% reduction. Um, yeah. A 47% reduction over 30% of the park equals a 14% reduction park ride, a park wide. 
If none of the maybes are home runs, that means 61% of the homers evaporate in 30% of the park, which is an 18% wow. production park-wide. That's what I was getting to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Andrew does great work. He's a must-follow on Twitter, uh, so definitely go check out what he does over there. Um, let's uh, let's talk about these closing situations because there's a lot of them. Uh, Greg even tweeted out like, "Hey, look, checks notes, 19 situations or something like that." I think it was. Um, so first, let's start, Greg, with your general strategy in regards to closer and fantasy. Not necessarily this year specific, but usually, what do you like to do with closers? All right, so people are, and it's hard because if you're a casual player and you're seeing all these tweets about who's going where and what round, it's you're, you're scratching your head going, how the hell is this happening? So context matters because most of the drafts that are going on right now are draft and holds, so there's no in-season pickups. So, yes, of course, closers in this sort of a format of a hater, Hendricks, Ilk, are going to get pushed up just because they're guaranteed in that role and they provide across the board. You know, they give you – saves they help with ratios they're they're not just one not just a one one trick pony as in like when we take a guy for stolen bases they only helps you in one category uh so so that the context does matter however um even if we're looking at there's only been three rotowire uh online championships on the end of bc the 12 teamers and this is with fab but you've got the the same two are still going in the 30s I mean, it's the average pick on Hendricks and Hayter in the three drafts so far is 30 and 30.67. Rizella Iglesias, Clase, Presley, Edwin Diaz is the next tier. They're all gone by pick 59. Uh, and then Chapman at 67, Jansen, Romano, Gallegos are gone by pick 90. Add Smith and Melanson, they're gone by pick 98.33 on average. Now, this just means you have to, to plan on what you're going to do. If you're comfortable punting saves or – reading my closer charts all season long and, and picking up guys, then stay the course and you can gobble up uh, good starting pitching and, and tons of at-bats in those rounds where the closers are going off the board. If you don't want to deal with fab and having to do this and tearing your hair out every week when you're chasing saves that already happened and don't populate the next week, uh, ask anybody that was chasing red saves last year, then then you're, you're going to pay the piper. And then you just decide who you're comfortable with, draw a line, say, I want one of these guys by this pick, and then get an anchor. And then after you've got that anchor, then you can do some things. Uh, you guys mentioned in the intro, Craig Kimbrell's one of my favorite targets right now because he's going to get $16 million this year, and Chicago already signed Kendall Graveman to set up. They're not going to spend $16 million on a setup arm in the eighth inning on a guy who – did not do well in that role for them. So he's going to get traded to a team that's either a contender or sees themselves as a contender. Um, and, and there's plenty of teams that match up with that. So um, he'll be one of the first things that probably sets the market once this lockout transpires. Um, and then we got to figure it, you know, so it, to me, the context of your league. So you should know how your league handles things. Or if you're in the NFBC, you can see the numbers, you, and as Justin referenced, use the last month, see what's going on the last 30 days, because the stuff that happened in uh, October and November really doesn't apply anymore. And, and your and your comfort level, what what are you comfortable doing? Are you comfortable spending Sunday night sitting down and, and, and really applying two hours towards layering up your, your fab bids to get closers? If you don't want to do that and you want to make it a cleaner approach, then then you, again, you're, you're paying these prices. But 
the prices aren't going away and there's going to be a lot of movement in these ADPs once people start getting more uh, definite roles. There's there, the second tier closers are still out there. Kenley Jansen is still a free agent. So, you know, teams are going to be doing things uh, and, and then how those things populate is really going to affect where those uh, chips fall in the tiers and how the ADP will adjust again. I mean, you're going to see a massive swing in one week once all these things start happening. Jason, I, I know personally for me and those who've been listening for a while, they know how I feel. Like I'm willing to pay for saves in drafts, so I don't have to pay for saves once I get out of the draft via fab, uh, and so I'm not left with zero when I leave a draft table. What is your kind of approach, especially this season, where prices are going up an extreme amount? How would you approach saves for 2022? Uh, my typical approach is I like to get one guy that I know I can get volume from uh, and then go and try to fill in the gaps. Like last year, Rysel Iglesias was somebody that I targeted all over the place. Uh, and, and this year, I would say the same one guy that I really have in mind, and Justin, I know you'll like to hear this, um, is uh, – uh, oh, God. <laughs> I dropped a plate. Uh, Corey Knable. Uh, I, I see the same I see the same type of profile. I see the same type of manager support uh, and and somebody that could pick up a lot of volume with the ratios and similar flaws. You look at where Iglesias was uh, heading into last year, lots of strikeouts, problems with walks, problems with home runs. Yeah, Knable's been there too, but Knable's also been coming back from the, the injury that he had in 2019, you know, the recovery and everything. So it's like uh, I, I – Canable somebody I really, really like this year. So I want to have one guy that I know I can bank on volume. The problem is that that pool is really small this year right now, uh, which, as Greg was saying, it's a really nice way to target Kimbrough because I really have a hard time imagining he's going to stick in Chicago uh, by opening day. So that's really where I try to find uh, to start and then try to piece my, my way up there from there based off skills. Uh, I'll take – yeah, I will I will take two guys in the active phase. I'll take another one in the reserves. If I'm in if I'm in a, a draft and hold, I'll I'll just start spitballing and taking what I can. I usually do one draft and hold uh though. Uh, most of the time I'm looking to the stream during the season to find those guys. Like last year, I'll tell you this, it's like uh in NL League, uh, one of my home league saves are everybody just overvalues. I mean, they are just stupid high. I picked up Dylan Floro. You know, now he's got the job, but I got him for a dollar on because I like the skills. I was looking at that Miami pan. I was like, you know what? Do that. I ended up getting David Bednar in fab. Uh, shortly, I watched him pitch one game. I'm like, yeah, this team stinks. He's good. I, I believe in this role. And so I ended up getting him uh, to that. So I really like to be active during the season in leagues where that's available. Well, let's talk about some of these situations. Uh, I want to start with the Nationals. Uh, this is one where... I've kind of gone back and forth with other people. I'm interested to see where Greg has this one shaking out. I don't think we're going to see eye to eye here. Uh, Tanner Rainey is going ahead in the ADP right now, while uh, Brandon Finnegan is Kyle. going. Oh, sorry, Kyle Finnegan. Wow, Kyle? Finnegan, that's a that's a uh, that's a throwback name. Um, so <laughs> Kyle Finnegan is going later. I think Kyle Finnegan is the guy. He's the one who gave they gave the shots to late in the season. Uh, what the Nationals have done in the past is the guy they're going to late in the season is going to be the guy who's given the first opportunity coming into the next season. Greg, what say you about the Nationals' bullpen? Well, first and foremost, yes, I, I know we might disagree on this one. That's okay because you refer to Rainey as uh, 
the Charlie Brown trying to kick Lucy's football. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, somebody called me the, uh, a buddy of mine used to say I wouldn't forget much. So, um, <laughs> anyways, I, I filed that away. And here's the thing. Yes. You know what? So Finnegan pitched very well till they burned him out. Um, he was, he was exhausted in September. So, um, on staff, Aaron Pegs, uh, sides with you, Justin on the Kyle Finnegan train. So he led the team in innings and strikeouts, and there was a nice stretch from July 12th to September 12th where he logged 24.1 innings pitched with a 0.74 ERA with only 20 strikeouts but a 167 batting average against. He he really relies on his sinker. Um, he mixes in a slider and a split, but um, that was the fuel. So he had nine saves in that stretch. Um, so if he can keep that momentum – Sure, he might start the year and run with it. I, I still think this will be a spring battle. Um, I personally can't ignore what Rainey did when he was healthy in 2020, so we don't know if that was an outlier and just a career year. Um, but, you know, down the stretch last year when he did get healthy, he had a 17.5K per nine over his last six appearances. He had two saves and two holds in them. Uh, in 2020, he was one of 12 relievers that had a K minus BB greater than 25 a swing strike percentage greater than 15 and a contact rate less than 67%, which is what happened when Josh Hader broke out in, in the second half of 2017. So, you know, only Devin Williams and Edwin Diaz in 2020 had a high, or excuse me, had a, a higher width percentage than Tanner Rainey. So, I mean, the guy does have great stuff. He had, he had a injury in the, in the spring and then he had a COVID thing. So he never really got on track till the end of the year. Again, I, I'm probably going to avoid this in drafts at the at the onset of the season. I'll let somebody else throw the darts, but I usually side with velocity and the ability to miss bats. So that's why I would give the slight edge to Rainey right now, but I can see the case for Finnegan. Jason, break the tie here. Uh, with For me, when I've watched the guys pitch, Rainey's the guy that I really want to believe in. I, I really do, because uh, as Greg was saying, when you watch and pitch, you can see the potential, uh, especially with the velocity, uh, the life as fastball has on it. I mean, these are things that you want to believe. But then you look at the the overall track record, and that's where it's problematic. But, you know, that said, when once they got rid of Brad Hand, you know, the saves were they went there were 14 saves once Brad Hand went away and 11 uh, went to Rainey and the three when I'm looking at the splits, they only have four relievers that had saves last year. On that entire roster, 21 to hand, 11 to Fagan, 3 to Rainey, uh, and 1 to Paolo Espino, which I'm guessing is one of those three-inning deals, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And so that was yeah. it. So, yeah, reverse what I said earlier. But Rainey, well, I've watched both guys pitch. Both guys have their flaws. Rainey's the guy that I want to go with. I would add, uh, like, if I'm in one of those draft and hold leagues, like, looking, because I could have seen this being a fluid situation. You know, this is a bad team. If, if one of these guys establishes value, they're gonna, I would expect them to be traded. Like a very very late name, only because it's it's out there is is John Romero. Just somebody mm-hmm. look if you're trying to find some saves late. He's got some intriguing numbers uh, and some stuff. And again, this is gonna be a wide open situation uh, for this. And if if I'm looking in one of those formats we were talking earlier, where you can't pick up saves during the year and you've got a late dart to throw, take him. You'd be the first person to take him in a draft because he currently has no ADP. Uh, so nobody has taken him yet. So be that guy at the 750 and just take him. There you go. I'm going to throw him in my queue in one of my drafts right now just for the hell of it. <laughs> just make sure it's an auto-draft. It's like, oh, crap, yeah, exactly. he's a 350. It's J-H-O-N, so don't – if you're using mm-hmm. – uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's move over. Let's move over to uh, the Miami bullpen. Uh, the aforementioned Dylan Floro appears to be the front runner for the job, but they also have Anthony Bender uh, and uh, and Bass. Uh, so, Jason, are you banking on your boy who you got for a dollar in your NL only league? Uh, Floro, uh, or do you think that someone else is going to emerge out uh, with that job? I mean, here's the thing with Flo- what I liked about Floro because I, you know, I, I've seen him pitch, uh, saw him pitch in Tampa Bay, saw him pitch with the Dodgers. Um, I looked at him as a as a guy that was going to be a middle. He was actually in my pool of guys that I thought would be working in leverage. That's why uh, I grabbed him where I did last year. But, you know, right now his ADP is is two thirty six. Uh, with this, I'm looking at the the way the pen stacks up, and then Bender's down there at 421. For the current market price, I'd rather take my shot with Bender uh, mm-hmm. than that because you know Floro, I thought did did the job when it was presented to him, but I never really viewed him as a guy that would be a lockdown. You know, he's going to take the ball in the ninth inning and just run with it every single time. Uh, so, again, given market price, I would rather take Bender. What about you, Greg? Where are you going in this uh, this uh, on this team? Um, thankfully, I have a usually pretty reliable source with the with the Marlins that I used to work with. So um, he told me off off the air that he thinks the team is going to go after one of those second tier relievers uh, to use in the ninth inning. So this is somewhere you know. It's, it's not a sexy name, but this would be like if Ryan Tapera decides he would rather go to a team and be the closer than go to a team to be a setup guy like the Cardinals, um, then that would be somebody that, that could go down there and, and be a reliable, safe source. So um, I would go with, with, uh, with Jason on this one. I'm not going to pay the market value on Floro. I could possibly take Bender later on and he could give me a handful of saves. Even if the person they bring in ends up getting traded, if it's a one-year deal, um, they're going to keep, you know, turning over that roster until they get what they want. Um, So that would be my view on this bullpen as well. There's just no ceiling of in Floro at that price. He did very well in the second half for me last year when I picked him up in a 14 team head to head league, but you know, that, that was just, I needed saves. It wasn't like I was, looking for a, a big spike in production at, at that point. Um, and, and with the knowledge, you know, the, the people he listed, you know, don't scream greatness, but he, he said they could kick the tires on somebody like Richard Rodriguez or something of that nature. So um, that, that, you know, that's where we're, we're kind of looking for uh, them to go. He doesn't think they would go after Jansen. The biggest value, the biggest value, uh, value with Floro is that he just keeps, he doesn't, uh, it's tough to elevate him. He doesn't give up the home run, and that's really his best value because he doesn't have a ton of swing and miss uh, in his stuff. But he's really tough to elevate, uh, and that's the that's the value. Uh, and we see so as we talked about the Nationals group. That's the problem with both of their guys is the home run. Where conversely, Floro, the way he pitches in the arm slot, it's just tough to elevate him, uh, and that's why he was able to be successful uh, in that role last year. Uh, so it, it's tough to. He's not going to give it up easily, but it's easy to see why when you see him uh, in the ninth inning, uh, why they may be looking for another option. Uh, because the skills he has, that could be used anywhere. Uh, it doesn't have to wait until the end. It would be great. Like, he got two runners on. Yep. Okay, I'd rather bring in the guy that doesn't allow a three-run home run. 
Exactly. And, and I think that's almost what, you know, Craig was, or excuse me, my source was hinting at was that, hey, you know, we, uh, yeah, nice little slip there. But anyway, so that's, that's, you know, that's we, don't, we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to, uh, you know, they want to be able to use him in that highest leverage moment that you were just describing. If that's in the seventh or the eighth inning, you know, he comes in there and cleans up a mess and, and then you, you just bring out whoever in the ninth. I mean, the general manager came from the Dodgers. So, yeah. you know, that, that, they know they can get saves from wherever. So uh, yeah. I don't think that would be a huge, a huge surprise if they bring somebody in to do the ninth inning. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can bleep that out. Those of you watching live, well, uh, <laughs> I'm sure most people know who I'm intimating. Yeah, with. yeah, I figured I knew who you were intimating. I mean, let's well. be real. When it comes to Marlins news, we all follow one guy because he's yeah. really good at what he does. Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> also, a really good dude. And if you want to hear. Uh, a really funny story about uh, him. Go listen to the TGFBI episode I did with him uh, probably two years ago. Uh, he, he, he has a pretty good story in there. Um, that's all I'm going to say. You have to go actually listen. Uh, let's uh, move on over to the Cardinals and talk about that situation because right now we're seeing uh, Giovanni Gallegos go really, really high. Uh, our, our good friend Paul Spore is on board. He's got him as a top three or five closer heading into uh, into 2022. I'm not ready to buy it. Like, I just don't trust the Cardinals organization. So, Greg, where are you at on the Cardinals closing situation? See, it's funny you say that because I remember last year on the Palapalooza, you were shocked that I wouldn't anoint Gallegos as the closer. Yeah. But I learned from my mistakes. <laughs> I, and And – and I don't want to give away stuff from later in the thing, but this is the same sort of a thing. I am actually more willing to buy into them this year just because I don't see any real competition as they're presently constructed. You know, uh, we all, they're saying Jordan Hicks and Alex Reyes are going to report to campus starters. I think they're just doing that to, to lengthen them out because they know they're going to need multiple inning relievers. I'm not really sold that they're going to be starting pitchers, especially with Reyes's walk rate and Hicks lack of, uh, ability to stay healthy. Um, so that's where we are right there. So it, their beat writers, uh, Derek Gould, who I, I subscribe to the St. Louis dispatch just so I can get information from them. Uh, he thinks they'll bring in somebody to compete for closer, but I think that's more of they, they would like to get a Joe Kelly to who we mentioned somebody like that in a setup role to take what Gallegos used to do so they can elevate him to the ninth inning. So Today, I think they will actually let Gallegos close, but I, I don't see the Cardinals jumping into the Jansen market or trading for Kimbrel. Could they? Sure, but uh, that's really not been their modus operandi through the years. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. Today, I, I do think that he would. I mean, he flashed it, so you don't know if it was the front office that wanted him to stay in the eighth inning, and you don't know if that was part of the friction with them and Mike Schilt because um, when – they finally put – they had to put him in the ninth inning when Reyes fell apart in August, and, and Gallegos ran with it. He had the most saves in the major from September 1st on with 11. So we saw what he can do, and he we know he has the skills to succeed in that role. It's just will the Cardinals let him. So I still side with you being a little uh, – approaching him with trepidation in drafts. If it got to that point, I'd probably wait one more round and, and get Kimbrell. But yeah. that that's just – I'd rather pay a round up on Kimbrel than a round too soon for, on Gallegos on my team, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. I think as a team, like you said, is currently constructed in the moment, it seems like Gallegos is the guy I, – I agree with you, though. I do not buy this Jordan Hicks 
or Alex Reyes as a starter. And, and that is one of my big uh, kind of, you know, pump the brakes moments is like, they're clearly not starters. And so maybe they are multi-inning relievers uh, and give uh, a little bit added length uh, to that bullpen. But they could also put those guys back in. They could rotate those guys. I just don't trust the Cardinals organization mm-hmm. to handle the bullpen in the way fantasy managers would like to see them. Jason, where are you at on, on the Cardinals? I would go with Gallegos right now as well. Just echoing on what, what Greg said uh, about not not reaching for him. Uh, but you know, he's got he's got safe skills, and yes, it's it's fun to watch Jordan Hicks when he's throwing 104. Uh, but if if he's still able to do that uh, when he's you know because his surgery we looked at his surgery was in the middle of 2019, uh, so he's he's past the two year window that I often talk about on this podcast. So yeah, that's nice. Alex Reyes was fun last year. Another guy that I, I liked uh, because of the market price last year, and I ended up with him in three different leagues, and it was great because. Ran all those saves and then I flipped them uh, in non-NFBC formats where I could trade them. I'm like, go! You've done what? You've done a lot more than I ever expected. Thank you. Uh, and moved them so I didn't have to soak up some of that late damage uh, that's there. So it's yeah, again, I, I like Gallegos here, but it's not somebody I'm going to reach for. And you know, we talked about looking just ADP over the past month. He's at 118 or 117, but he's got a min of 68 and then a max of 334, and that's over the last month. So it's really kind of crazy to see that he went that late in somebody's uh, somebody, and that's out of 61, uh, 61 drafts. So, you know, kudos to whoever got him that late uh, going on because we go down to Hicks. Hicks is 338. So Hicks's min is still lower than Gallegos's max. I'm going uh, to bet, though, that that max is like one of the FPAS drafts. Then maybe just finish, and so it, it registers as happening in the last month. Good point. And it, and yeah. it, in probably a best ball or something like that. So yeah, I guess. people knew he was the closer, or you know, and or, or thought he could be the closer. Uh, that and in maybe in a format it isn't. Yeah, because in the if I switch it to the three online, it's seventy nine ninety nine, uh, and then if I switch it to draft champions, it's sixty eight one hundred three. Yeah. yeah. So I'm okay. Yeah, it's my guess. So all right. Again, that's, that's, that's where context with all of these things makes so much difference. And when I first started tracking the NFBC stuff, I never separated them. And now mm-hmm. with when I when I post anything yeah. to recon, I, I'm citing the three different things. And, and I've yep. been keeping running tabs of of the monthly totals uh, of, of the closers in each of the formats because they're so different. Right. Yeah, make sure if you're using the NFBC ADP, make sure that you are using the one that most closely aligns to your league, right? So if if you play at a 15-team league uh, and draft and hold, use draft and cha- draft champions. Or a 15-team league, you can use draft champions because there aren't any other 15-team leagues. If you're playing in just a 12-team fab league, use online championships. If you're playing, uh, you know, if you want a larger set of data, you can use the NFBC 50s which are draft and holds, but they're 12 teams. So, uh, you know, just be very careful to not just sort by all drafts because then you're going to have best ball leagues uh, and other things that are really going to, you know, skew the results. And eventually you'll have some TGFBI data in there, baby. It's coming up. (laughs) Only a few more weeks to sign up for TGFBI. If you've not signed up for TGFBI, make sure you go to TGFBI.com and sign up. Uh, And if you want to try to win your way in, you're out in the industry, you can sign up for satellites. Those are available uh, and there's a link on tgfbi.com uh, or start your own website or podcast. Like I've had three people in the last 
few weeks who have like they have just written an article or uh, started a podcast just so they can get in TGFBI. Uh, we've seen a number of people over the years uh, kind of jump into the industry that way. Highly recommend it. Thank you for the opportunity to self-promote myself, Jason. I know one of those was Richard Sands. Yeah, Richard Sands. Yeah. He wrote an article about winning the overall in the uh, uh, Enrico Palazzo podcast yeah. invitational. He's a great uh, guy. Yeah, really, really good dude. He's actually, I believe, watching right now. So shout out to uh, Richard, who uh, does great work. Um, and you can go over. I think it's baseballpods.com is where his article. Uh, mm -hmm. And you know, and uh, Chris at Baseball Pods, another one of those guys a few years ago who started his own website so he could get into TGFBI, uh, and things are going pretty well for him as well. So uh, let's uh, let's keep it moving and talk about the Cubs situation. Rowan Wick, a guy who jumped up like over a hundred spots in my last ADP movement article for relief pitchers, is he the guy there, Greg? Or are they going to bring someone else in? Is there someone else that you're targeting? Like, what are you doing with the Cubs bullpen right now? Uh, this is another one where I'm going to let it settle. Uh, every every beat writer on the Athletic, when I read their stuff, is is sounding the drum that that they love having veteran guys. So even though they traded like Chafin and Tapera last year, um, they want a veteran presence in that bullpen. So to help with the younger guys and the development while they're kind of rebuilding on the fly. Um, so this is another situation where I think the closer may not be on the roster right now. You know, I think we all wanted a little more out of Wick last year when he returned and he did okay. Um, he's got nine saves the last two years, but he's dealt with some injury issues and, and, other, and other situations. But, you know, I, I look at the, the ratios he put forth and what was it? I think uh, a 4.30 ERA last year and a 1.35 whip that just doesn't scream like, second tier closer to me. So um, maybe he'll show up healthier and with better velocity this spring, but I, I'll let somebody else try and figure this bullpen out. They were, they were kind of fluid down the stretch. Like every time we thought Wick was going to do it, then Hewer got a save out of nowhere. They were letting Adam Morgan save games when it was a lefty lineup in the ninth. Um, they went, they went really kind of off of the grid after they traded Kimbrell. So um, I don't know what their plans are. You know, Scott Efrost at the end of the year had a nice K to BB and they've got a, a younger guy, Ethan Roberts, who is a high spin guy, but there's no one on this team right now to me that screams that they're the closer. Jason, what are your thoughts on this Cubs situation? Do you agree? Uh, I agree for the most part, but I do want to take my chances on Cody Hewitt here only because when you look at a reliever, that's got two pitches with a 45% whiff rate, it's oh, yeah. tough Great. to overlook that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, now the fastball, that's the problem. The fastball is what really killed them. I'm looking over here at the fastball, 336 batting average against 324 XBA, 566 slug, 526 X slug. I mean, the fastball got beat. But then you go and look at Statcast, and he's got life, and he's got velocity, and he's got chase. But I mean, the the forty five percent whiff rates on both of his non fastball pitches is mm -hmm. attractive. So if I'm going to take a chance in this pen, it's on that. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, it, I don't know if we get a guy with twenty saves out of this pen, but I believe. Remember what I talked about in episode one thousand? I believe Huber's a guy that's that has a really good chance at double digit saves this year. I would be okay with that. He's, mm -hmm. he's, he's like so volatile at times he'll do good, do good. Then there's like a game, he gives up a three run home run and he goes yeah. back to doing well again. But you like, you probably had him in your lineup, the game, he gave up the three run home run and you're pissed. So you bench him when he gets to the next save and 
you know, it's, it, it's a, it's a tough thing when you're, when you're doing those weekly lineups. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if he can get ahead and then force guys to chase with the slider and change up, that's where he get, but he falls behind. And, uh, you know, even like this morning I was reading, uh, Jeff and Tanner's, uh, the process book and talked about like Michael Pineda being the best example of a guy when he's behind leaning on his fastball too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, and doesn't matter what you have, it doesn't matter how good that, if you're throwing it, they know the fastball is coming when you're down in the count, they're hunting for it. Yeah. Uh, and they, Michael Pineda was the best example they had there. But you look at somebody whose non-fastballs are getting those types of results and then look how bad the fastball got beat up. You would think that the guy has a pedestrian fastball, but you look at the the characteristics of it, and that that's not pedestrian. So I want to take my chance there. But you look over last month in the, in the draft champions, he's 492. So he's sitting he's sitting in there deep in the reserves, mm-hmm. uh, deep you know, 492 in, a, in that format. So when he's gone as uh, early as 430, but as late as 572. He's, he's a guy in spring. If we see he's throwing a, a lot of strikes, then we might be a lot more interested, depending on what they do as far as any free agent signings. Right. Let's, uh, let's talk about Pittsburgh's situation. You know, the aforementioned David Bednar seems to be the favorite of fantasy managers right now in terms of drop spot. Chris Stratton, my boy, still, <laughs> still putzing around that Pittsburgh bullpen. Uh, he could factor into saves as well. Uh, what are your thoughts, Jason, on this bullpen? Is this one you want to dip your toes into with Bednar or maybe avoid because the Pirates aren't going to be very good? I mean, let's not forget, even on a bad team, somebody's getting saves. Now, the thing is, if you are projecting somebody like Bednar, uh, who I believe should have the job all year, uh, unless something goes wrong health-wise, right? But even on a bad team, somebody's got to get the saves. But if you're projecting 30-plus saves on a very bad team, then you need to alter your projections because that's going to be tough. Like uh, jumping over – I didn't even see if Arizona's on there, but like Mark Melanson, you know, it was fun having Melanson last year when he was piling up all those saves, but if you're projecting 30-plus for him in Arizona, change your perspective there. And that's really what I have to say about Bednar. I just think it's kind of funny. Like Bednar is the only pitcher – on the Pirates with an ADP below 430. Like, he's it. Nobody else, everybody else is running away from the team with good reason. Uh, but for me, this is Bednar's job as long as the body holds up. I really liked what I saw of him on the mound last year. Like I said, I watched him pitch once. It was like, thank you. Um, really wanted to take him uh, take him on board. And, you know, somebody else may get a handful of saves on a day Bednar gets rest. But, yeah, this to me is uh, – is and and mark the price of 172 right now. If I can look at 20 to 25 saves at that price, I'm fine. Greg, where are you at on this Pittsburgh situation? Um, I love Bednar, the pitcher and the skills. I did not like how they used him in the second half. All right. So um, I I refer to it commonly um, as the HLR, the highest leverage reliever. So you're thinking like this would be Paul Sewell last year from the, from the Mariners or um, basically somebody that goes in at the highest leverage point perceived by the manager and, you know, they, they, they go in and, and that's kind of what he did with Bednar after they traded Rodriguez. And it was frustrating for fantasy owners because, you know, if you were patient and took Bednar based on what you saw in spring when he put up gaudy K to BB numbers and he had a really good fastball and, and you saw the action and the swings and misses he was generating, you're like, this kid's got the stuff. Um, and you're wondering why the Padres gave him away. But um, th- then the way, you know, what, Stratton had eight saves. So, and I know he missed some time with the oblique injury, but still, um, you know, 
here's the thing with Bednar. We can't ignore the, he had a 1.01 ERA his last 33 appearances in 35.2 winnings pitch from June 18th till the end of the season. Um, you know, he did get three saves, 60.2 winnings pitch total. You know, again, everything screams, it should be him. I hope the pirates don't try and depress his arbitration money and, and split the role with Stratton until they decide to flip Stratton at the trade deadline, like they did with Rodriguez, but it's something we just have to account for. So if you're taking Bednar and you're saying I'm getting 15 saves with really good ratios and strikeout upside, I don't think you'll just be disappointed, but if you think he's going to give you 25, you might be angry uh, at the end of the season. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense because I feel very, uh, very scared about investing in Bednar right now. I like him. I think he's got the skills to be a really, really good closer. But uh, usage is always a big part of what I'm drafting uh, uh, for. Um, and Stratton was the guy in September. I want to say he had like six or seven saves. Uh, from the end of the season, you know, uh, or from from uh, Bednar's last save until the end of the season. Uh, so uh, as much as I think Bednar has the much better skills, Stratton, I think, has a, uh, a leg up in terms of the role. Now, they may end up sharing it, They, uh, you know, and but my fear is always that they're going to try to hold down a guy like Bednar's arbitration numbers. Uh, by giving it to a guy who's a little bit more cost controlled than Stratton. So, uh, and Stratton's going much later. I just got him at like pick four something in a draft. Uh, I'll take the gamble there as opposed to, you know, 100 plus picks earlier on a guy like Bednar. So. Stratton in the 400s, that's low for you, man. What happened? I know, baby. <laughs> it's like it's 2017 all over again. <laughs> so uh, let's, uh, let's go and move on over to. Uh, Cincinnati, where Lucas Sims is jumping up huge uh, in drafts. And I don't really understand why. His last save was in the middle of June. I think people are just kind of going, okay, there is nobody in this bullpen. Who do we think could be the closer? And they're just landing on Lucas Sims. I, I, I don't trust it at all. <laughs> Greg, do you? Well, I... He got a lot of buzz the last week or so. So actually that's who I did my last player profile on um, for recon. So obviously if you're a member, you can read up on it, but here, let's start at the beginning. So last year, Cincinnati in April, there was five saves by four different relievers, even though Amir Garrett named himself the closer at the beginning of the season <laughs> in May, five saves, three different relievers. Lucas Sims led the way with two. In June, there were nine saves by the Reds, four different relievers. Sims had four, but that was also um, – he appeared three times in four days, and then he landed on the injured list uh, a week later uh, when he got shut down with the uh, sprained elbow. Uh, July, ten saves, three different relievers. Heath Hembry led the way with seven. I'm sure we all had Heath Hembry in our lineups, right? Mm -hmm. July – or yes, excuse me, August, seven saves, two different relievers. Now, August and September, the Reds kind of went with two relievers. It was Givens or Lorenzen. Uh, Givens had four in each month. So, but but here's the here's the fun stuff. So, during Givens's eight saves in those last two months, he had a sixteen to twelve K to BB, oh, four point six six ERA and a one point five zero WHIP. Uh, Lorenzen, during his four saves in that time, had an eighteen to thirteen K to BB with a six two three ERA and a one four six WHIP. Now, Lucas Sims was back at that point. He returned in August, and, and down the stretch, he was absolutely dominant. 
his last 19 games, he had a 32 to three K to BB 32 to three. I'm not, I'm not, you know, making that up. That's a 42 K minus BB percentage, a 0.76 whip and a 15.5 swing strike percentage. And they gave him no saves. So he was the HLR. They just used him for holds at the highest leverage situation. And they used whoever in the ninth inning. Will, will Cincinnati do that this year? I don't know, but, so if you take the, the person with the most saves by month for the Reds and you name him the alpha closer, okay, that would that would have given you 23 saves if you'd had the highest save total each month. That That's like your max for Cincinnati. The beta got 12. We don't know. Ken Sims last the whole season. I don't know. He has great stuff, and he he's, he's going to highlight pitching ninja gifts, and, and, you know, he's fantastic, but – if the Reds won't use him in the ninth inning, I, I, again, if he's your third closer with upside and you want to speculate, take a shot. But again, you, you're looking at a limited ceiling just based on how they use this bullpen now. And Derek Johnson's the same guy who was with the Brewers the year they had three different relievers get in the teens with saves when it was Corey Knable, um, when when he got injured, and then you know Hader, and I, so I mean. Uh, and the guy that's out of baseball now, I forget his name, but he was with the Nationals last year. It's escaping my brain, but, you know, I kind of flushed him from my memory banks. But, I mean, they told you at the beginning of the season they weren't going to use a closer, and none of us believed them. And the amount of fab that was spent on them in the main event is just eye-popping. And, again, this is where we're referencing we were always paying for saves that happened, not the ones that were coming down the road. And that's the, the biggest thing people need to change in their approach. Uh, a sleeper name in this bullpen for me is R. Warren. Um, in that same stretch from June 25 on, he also was outstanding with 23 strikeouts uh, and only four walks allowed. Uh, and he stranded all nine inherited runners he received. Now, he's he's kind of a failed name from the Mariners, but he, he really popped down the stretch. And Luis Sessa might take over like the TJ Antone multiple inning role. Um, you know, in a draft and hold, that's somebody you can get really late that might get you cheap wins and, and help you with strikeouts and ratios in weeks where you need them. But um, other than that, I, I don't know if I'll dip my toe into this bullpen, but I can see why people like Sims because the, the numbers and the stuff is there. But but why weren't they using them in August and September? And they were running out Michael Givens and Lorenzen with horrible K to BB rates because they don't care about saves. They're fungible, at least to this organization. I could not have said that any better myself. Jason, what are your thoughts? So Greg mentioned one of the names that, that intrigues me here, and I'll bring it back to, and it's Louis Sessa. And I bring it, I bring him up because uh, I see a lot of Dylan Floro in him. Uh, let's look at this time last year, Dylan Floro's ADP, when I go back and look at historical, was 662. Uh, Sessa right now is 680. Same, like, doesn't hurt himself with walks. It's tough to elevate. Doesn't hurt himself with home runs. Uh, looking at whiff rates, he's got a 30% or higher whiff rate on two pitches. Uh, and his first one is the slider. It's the one he likes to sling the most. Uh, and that, and then, you know, his, his top three pitches, batting average against is 245 or lower. So there's a lot of nice things there. Uh, that If you're a Yankee fan, you're like, give me a break. Louis Sessa, I've seen this guy pitch. But we're not talking about pitching for the Yankees. We're talking about pitching for an also-ran NL Central team uh, where opportunities are abound. And, like, to me, at the again, at the market price, end game, I, I need to find saves. Greg did a great job of laying out how saves were everywhere in this organization. I want to make sure that I've got 
Sessa in uh, in, a, in a draft and hold format. If I'm in a deeper NL league, I'll throw a reserve pick on him and and look for the saves that may be coming versus having to drop a, a chunk of fab on him if he pulls a Heath Henry and's like it's getting two or three yeah. saves because I know those dudes are dropping like five fifty on Heath Henry uh, just chasing those saves when when he had that little tiny run. Yeah, you just need that one hot month. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's move over to the National League West, uh, and some people are going to wonder why I've got the Dodgers on this list, but uh, as much as people are buying into the Blake Trinan uh, hype train right now, his ADP is currently, I believe, 181 in NFC uh, BC Draft Champions Leagues over the last month. I feel like they're a team that could be you know, in the market for closer once things open back up, especially their old buddy, Craig, uh Old buddy uh, Kenley Jansen's out there. Craig Kimbrell. There's a team that can afford a $16 million for a year of a closer and not have to make a long-term investment. Jason, are you buying in on Trinan as the guy this year, or are you kind of avoiding that considering they might be shopping for other options? Yeah, I mean, that's the trekker. I love Trinan. I mean, when you watch him pitch, it's hard not to be, like, wowed by what he's able to do with a baseball. Uh, you, you just watch it. Like, they're, it's going different directions. Uh, and it's, you want to be wild by that. And so he should, I mean, to me, he's, he's got the stuff. The profile is fine. That said, you get through camp, like you look at the rest of their bullpen and then, then you start looking at the question marks around it. You know, can Hudson stay healthy? Can Gretarol, uh do what he needs to do? Can this bullpen live without Kenley Jansen? Are they going to have to go, I need another guy or two to add to this? Uh, or do they panic and pull Trinan forward like that? Because they know what he can do in the high leverage uh, situation. So that's really my only concern is just his usage. That, his profile to me, no concerns at all. But if the if they look at that bullpen and be like, wow, that bullpen got really young in a hurry. Um, we've got to move. We, got, we need some experience in the seventh and eighth. And all of a sudden, somebody they go and get somebody else. That's really the only concern I have. But Trinan, the stuff is great. I was targeting last year in keeper leagues where I can make acquisitions for him in preparation for this year. Mm -hmm. Greg? All right, so he, he's either going to be the Giovanni Gallegos of this year's drafts or the Dodgers are, are going to let him go. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they have people coming back from injuries, so Tommy Con Canely is going to be coming uh, into the fold at some point. Um, we all thought he had closer stuff when he flashed his his upside with the Yankees before his surgery. Uh, you know, Caleb Ferguson's going to come back, and he's able to do multi innings as as a lefty. Uh, we should free up Alex Fessia. Um, we all liked what we saw out of Bruce Dargradoal in the playoffs. Can he do it over a full season? Um, and, and do the Dodgers, if they don't bring back Jansen, just go and, and imitate what? You know, Friedman used to do with the Rays and, and just use the, the bullpen as fluidity. So there's there's so many things that could go right or wrong. Um, I would love Trinan if he was my second closer, um, but I, I wouldn't be comfortable targeting him as my first uh, in, in a draft and hold. Um, more, more will be known about this once everything happens. And I think Justin intimated well that if – if there was a team that matched up very well as a trade partner with the White Sox for Kimbrell, it's the Dodgers. So if Jansen decides to go somewhere and because he wants a two or three year deal for security, the Dodgers can say, fine, we'll just go get Kimbrell for one. And then we'll come back to this and figure it out again next year. And we've got Trinan as the HLR and we'll just take our chances. Yep. 
All right, let's uh, let's talk about my favorite team, the San Francisco Giants, uh, because there are some people going nuts over Camino Duvall, uh, who finished out the season fantastically and was electric in the postseason. So I understand it. I have a really hard time paying the price that he is going for right now uh, in draft champions leagues. Uh, currently, his ADP is, uh, if I can find it, uh, 159.5. I've seen him go like as high as like the fifth, six rounds. Like I'm not, I'm not paying that price. Greg, are you? This one kills me. Cause I love him. Um, I hyped him up. I think in when he made his debut down in Miami, uh, for the athletic, I was like, Holy cow, if you're in a dynasty league and he's still out there, you need to change that. Uh, what we want to know is, is he going to be this year's breakout candidate or is he this year's regression candidate um, like James Karinchak? You know, because he did have similar walk rates uh, in the minors. So that's just what we want to see. Can he command Can he command it and can he get lefties out? Because I was shocked when they left him in in the playoffs to face Bellinger and Lux uh, in that blown save. Um, which to me said more about McGee just wasn't healthy um, more than anything. But, you know, what's going to happen here? If it, if you're just talking stuff, I love Doval. Um, I'm probably not going to pay the present price to roster him in a redraft league, but in in, in a keeper or dynasty format, absolutely. So the, the key here is going to be strikes. His first 13 games when he debuted and he struggled, he had a 59 strike percentage using BB ref. Um, and he had a 256 uh, batting average against his last 14.1 innings, which includes that two inning outing he made in August where he retired the side in order. He had a 69 strike percentage. So he was working from the front. This is a guy that needs to, to throw strikes early, get ahead. So then he can use his nasty stuff uh, that he has behind it. Um, what we don't want to see is walks. So if his if he's walking people in spring or he's struggling early with walks, I think there could be a short leash, which is probably what Justin's a little bit worried about as far as paying the market value to get him. Um, so we'll see. Um, I, I, again, I love the kid and I love his stuff and I, and I love his demeanor. I love the interviews at the end of the year where he was talking about what he said, uh, you know, to, to Kapler when he's coming out to the mound, like, Poppy, I got you. I mean, that stuff's awesome. Um, I, I would love to see him do it. Uh, I'd love to see him have a top five season, but I'm not ready to pay that yet. Jason, where are you at on the Giants bullpen? Is, is it Duvall? Is it someone else? I mean, let's let's recall this time last year, we were saying never Kapler, uh, and we had no trust in in everything. And, you know, I, I think this about this time last year, I was coming on here saying, I'm going to go ahead and just grab Jake McGee everywhere mm-hmm. uh, because I really like Jake McGee and what he has. Uh, and that was – and Jake McGee had no market value uh, and it was fun. You know, that's where it was fun having all those saves, but with, with Doval, the only reason Doval got the saves in the end of the year is because McGee was out with the oblique injury. Uh, you know, when you look at where the saves went, 31 went to 31 went to McGee, 13 went to Rogers. Uh, both those guys have the experience. Doval's got a couple of weeks of it. Doval, I mean, trust me, Doval's got the best stuff it, you, when you watch him pitch, but you know, Greg's comp with Karinchak is perfect. Uh, that's really where, Things could be. Karinchak had the same type of helium market value this time last year. And, it, and within a few weeks, uh, Cleveland said, yeah, nope, we're going to try Class A because you can't command the ball and can't throw strikes and you're killing us. 
uh, in this regard. So to me, like when you, when you look at Duvall and I'm looking at his ADP over the last month in draft champions and it's 130 uh, and McGee is at 284 and Rogers is at 550. It's like, I'm going to let somebody else take Duvall. And if I end up with Jake McGee again at that price, I'm fine with that um, because he's been there and done that. Uh, on this club uh, for a longer track record than what Doval's done over a couple of weeks. And again, this is capital. We know he's going to try saves uh, with multiple plays. So he had eight different relievers have saves with this organization last year, but Rogers and McGee, depending on matchups were the, were the two headed monster that got them where they were for most of the season until McGee broke down very late with the oblique. Can, can I share one thing? It was I, I couldn't believe this. I had to double take it. When I was looking at Tyler Rogers by inning, in the eighth inning, his ERA was 1.24 in 50.2 innings. In the ninth inning, 5.24 ERA in 22.1 innings. Oh, you know what that's from? If I can go back, he had one game where he just absolutely obliterated. Oh, it was so bad. Uh, <laughs> I want to say I had him in a uh, – I had the starter, and he came back and just I, – I remember the game uh, – that can't be the right one. Uh, there was a game in against Atlanta. One bat, one inning, six batters face, three hits, three runs, three earned runs. It was a home run. He had another one against the Dodgers, another one against the Dodgers. So he gave up, I'm looking at nine earned runs in two innings um, over uh, you know the last three games. So I just did a sort. But I remember a particular game where he came in and just like, couldn't get it done. Yeah, I, I just can't pay the price on Duvall. I, I I mean, I really like him. I agree he's got the best skills of the bullpen, um, and I think there's a huge amount of upside, but I do worry that the, the walks will come back, uh, that uh, he may revert a little bit back into being the player he was. And Kapler, as much as he has been a guy in the past that likes to use multiple guys, he also is very loyal to his guys. You talk about Tyler Rogers, he would continue to throw Rogers out there over and over and over again, even when he was struggling because he just liked Rogers quite a bit. Um, I don't know if that has uh, if that has subsided either. I, I think Rogers is going to factor. Out. Yeah, I, I think Rogers could factor into this. I think McGee will definitely factor into this. I think Duvall will factor into this, and I think this could end up being like a three-headed monster where they're going to play the hot hand or play the matchups quite a bit, uh, and that there was not unless somebody gets injured, which obviously McGee got injured last year, um, uh, that this could be kind of a mess as the season goes on. It'd be hard to kind of predict week to week, month to month on who's going to be leading that Giants bullpen and saves. So uh, give me the guys that are going the cheapest. That's McGee and Rogers. Uh, moving. Uh, right along uh, the Padres. So the Padres were a team last year where everybody had their guy right in draft season. Everybody was going, I believe in Amelia Pagan. I believe in Drew Pomeranz. I believe it. And then they go out and they get Mark Melanson uh, and throw everybody for a loop. Um, is, is there going to be another guy that the Padres just go out and get last minute that screws everybody because right now everybody's again got the Emilio Pagan, Pierce Johnson, Nelson Lamette. Like it could be a bunch of guys. Greg, do you think this is a team that is active in a Kimbrel or active in, you know, a one-year guy that could come in? Uh or is there a guy that is uh you're highlighting on your draft sheets right now like, hey, this is the guy on the Padres I think is going to get saves. Well I I whiffed this one last year. I, I will. Everybody did. Fully, <laughs> well, I, I, I did. I, I totally 
I put too much faith into the beat writers who kept trying to sell us. It was going to be Pagan or Pomerantz. And I ignored the fact that, you know, Melanson had the track record. And I think what really muddled it for me was Melanson was not very good in spring, but I have to keep in mind that spring results of veterans really don't matter because he had more walks and strikeouts in the spring. And I'm like, they're not going to give the ninth inning to Melanson. And then first game, boom, there he was. I mean, and he was unbelievable in the first half. He faded a little bit in the second half, uh, which coincided with the Padres collapse in the second half. So um, I'm going to let somebody else figure this one out. I, for when we did our ranks, this was the team I had the hardest time with. I put Lamette highest in my rankings just because I'm like, if you go by pure stuff, if his elbow remains intact, it seems like the ninth inning could be a place where he would do well as he adapts to the, to, to being a reliever. I think he struggled making that switch last year. Um, they signed Robert Suarez from the MPB who led the league with 42 saves. Um, he can hit triple digits. I hear he sits 97 plus. I'll give a, a shout out to Tom Musa of prospects live. He did a very good, um, you know, player profile on him from his time in Japan. So if you want to check that out, you can, um, he throws a two seam and a four seam. He likes to work on the inside to whichever type of hitter it is. And he has a very good changeup. He kind of dished his other pitch and that's his main off pitch. Um, I want nothing to do with Luis Garcia who can't get lefties out. Um, but he's very good against righties. You almost think of him of, as uh, he's like Clay Holmes of the Yankees. He's very good against righties, but if you get him out against extended lefties, he's going to struggle. So I don't see him being an option. Uh, steamer list Pierce Johnson. Uh, he did very good, but there was also he tired in the second half. Again, I'm letting somebody else do it. Now, I do think Ruben Niebla is a very good pitching coach. So whoever does possibly get this could run with it. Um, we'll have to really – this would be one I might dip my toes in the water in March if they come out because Melvin does prefer a linear path. Melvin likes to have a closer, uh, at least at his time in Oakland. So if Melvin comes out and says, this guy's my guy, then I'll go with it and ride it out. But right now I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get in there unless it's a, a really late stab. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I feel like this is a team that could be, that could go after Kimbrell or go after one mm -hmm. of the kind of more established guys on the market. Jason, what say you? Yeah, I was going to say, except for Suarez, all of these guys were in house last year and they went out and got somebody else. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, to me, if, if the, the track record is there to go out and get somebody else again, and yep. then you look at, okay, what's, you know, what could they possibly do? Kimbrell's fine. We've talked about his name uh, a couple of times, but if we look through like what else, if, if you, if you think of it in the lens of a Mark Melanson name, it's like Mark Melanson didn't have the best stuff. Uh, and when, when they added him, it's like, most of us were like, oh, man, why are they doing that? They're not going to give, oh, wow, he's going to go ahead and get those saves. So it's like if you try to look for a, a non-sexy addition, uh, so Kimball obviously would be a good fit. But like to me, when I look at the name of free agents uh, of a reliever who could possibly come in here and do something, uh, Joe Kelly is a name that jumps out only because really freely available uh, for, for price. Uh, and so to me, I'm, I don't believe the the – I don't believe the closer is on the roster right now. And if mm -hmm. I'm going to try to spec late in some things, if I'm in drafts right now, Joe Kelly is, is one of those names that just kind of stares at me right now. You're not worried about his, uh, his late season injury. Don't have any news yet. <laughs> you know, don't have any news yet. It, in, in my 12 team draft, I just did. I think my last two picks were Ian Kennedy and Brad Boxberger, just because one of those two could end up somewhere in a bullpen like this. 
and, and get the and get the ninth inning. Now, obviously, those ninth inning innings may not always be pretty, but right. saves are saves, and if they're if they're at a reduced price or you know, again, that's a league with free agency. So, you know, if neither one of them gets the role, I can drop them and move on. But, you know, you want to talk about low risk and possible high upside return. But those are two veteran names that, again, don't make anybody get excited. But, you know, Boxberger was pretty good for Milwaukee last year. And Ian Kennedy has 20 or more saves in two of the last three seasons. Ian, Ian that was funny when Ian Kennedy, because looking back, there was a – Last year in December, mid-December, we did a Rotowire mock draft for the magazine, RIP magazine. Uh, but Ian Kennedy was my 30th round pick in that league. And I was like, woohoo, it, it, it ended up working out. But I mean, some other names that are down there. Now, if you believed in the Hansel Robles that we saw in Boston, intriguing. Mm-hmm. Colin McHugh and that awesome slider. If, if, if the Padres loved Mark Melanson and the way he pitched with the cutter and stuff, then maybe they do the same thing with Colin McHugh uh, mm-hmm. because McHugh is not a starter. You're going to sign him as a reliever. They've got other guys that can spin the ball in the middle relief. So maybe they can say, hey, McHugh, you want to come be our closer or be the eighth, ninth inning guy here? Uh, have at it. So it'll be interesting to see where this shakes out, but I am rather confident their 2022 saves leader is not currently on their roster. I agree. Uh, let's uh, let's move to another situation. I I deleted a few of uh, the teams off the list just because getting a little long. I don't, yeah, I, I don't want to be here till uh, four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's move over to the American League. Talk about Boston because uh, right now Matt Barnes seems to be one of the guys that is climbing up to ADP. Uh, there's talk about moving Garrett Whitlock into the rotation. I don't necessarily know how they're going to do that considering the state of the rest of that bullpen. Greg, what are you doing with this Boston bullpen? Um, this one, again, once I'll, I'll defer. The, there's two different beat writers for the Athletic, um, and, and both of them both of them feel that the, the Red Sox will be adding at least one, if not two, relievers uh, once the lockout ends. Um, so th- they think that Barnes will probably return to the eighth inning and both of them speculate that Whitlock will probably start the year as like a multi-inning reliever or a hybrid pitcher and then move into the rotation because that's where they truly want him to be. And that could also happen with Tanner Houck. So um, just like San Diego, the, the, the saves leader on this team is probably not on the roster as presently constructed. And I think you just – so you're going to pass on Barnes if you want to take Whitlock, but his price is not low. Um, based on how well he pitched last year. Uh, so we'll have to see. if there's a guy in the minors that can make the Whitlock jump, it might be Brian Bellow. He's a guy with uh, two very good pitches and high velocity that could translate well into the bullpen if they need him to replace Whitlock. If he does go into rotation, that'd be a name to keep track of. But I, yeah, I, I'm letting somebody else figure this one out, which again is why we see the prices on the other closers keep going up. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jason, any thoughts on this one? I, the only thing I would add, and I'm surprised it doesn't even have an ADP. For those of you guys watching on stream of the recording, I'm going to tilt my neck uh, because i got to give a hat tip to Ryan Brazier. Uh, and I, I was very impressed with what I saw with Brazier. Now, Brazier had had the job prior, obviously uh, was really bad uh, in uh, 19, uh, when he, later 2020 issue, but Brian Brazier looked really good in September. I thought he looked fantastic in October uh, in the postseason. Uh, and he's got the stuff 
looked like uh, what he had, what he was grabbing those saves uh, back in 19, what I saw in the postseason is what I saw from him in 19. And so that's a name I'm honestly surprised he doesn't, he's not been drafted anywhere yet. And when you look at a situation where it has some volatility like this uh, and what he did for that team in October uh, in that role, um, I would not be surprised for him, his name to pop up as whenever we get to camp, Uh, but just a, a name that I would tuck away. All right. Uh, let's move over to the Rays, which is always a fun place to find your saves, right? Um, Jason, I'll, you're the Rays guy, so I'll let you rant for a minute. Is there a you – know, Kittredge, I believe, is the guy going the highest right now. Is oh, there any reason to draft any Rays closer? Or really- uh, you know, Every year, what have we got? Three consecutive years of 10-plus of guys getting saves uh, for the organization. It's, it's a trend. We say it every year. Please don't go out and, and chase a guy because it's, it's, you know, it's not going to happen. Uh, and it's always the guy we're looking at elsewhere. But you're right when you look at where Kittredge is obviously the first guy that's going uh, in all of these. Uh, and I may be losing my internet here because <laughs> everything's kind of slowly and freezing. But – uh, expect another season of a lot of different guys getting saves, uh, and that's how I expect things to be again this year. Greg, any uh, any disagreement there? No. I mean, they had 12 different relievers get a save in 2020 in a short season, so they figured why not in the full season? So then they had 14 last year. Um, you know, <laughs> so they, awesome. they, they don't over They don't overvalue a save. And, you know, it's 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 funny because Diego Castillo actually started the year, even though we kind of did, you know, didn't put we poo pooed him in ADP. He had right. 14 saves before the trade deadline. They actually used him kind of like a traditional closer for the most part. And then once he left again, and it went to back to the the full form fluidity. Um, Kitchers did get six saves his last 13 appearances, so I think the the recency bias of that is what's driving up his ADP. Uh, I but he he appeared at least once from innings one through 11 last year. I mean, yeah, he, he was everywhere. He opened. He, uh, he did a few things. He was in each one of those innings. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I mean, that's that 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 one blew my mind. Um, if you're a dynasty player or you just like getting somebody, you know, off the radar, Colby White. Um, he went through four levels in 2021 with a 1.44 ERA total in all of them, 104 strikeouts and 62.1 innings. Uh, and he was the minor league pitcher of the year, uh, reliever of the year for the Rays. So this could be the guy who comes out of nowhere and gets five. And you're like, who the hell's Kobe? Who's this guy? So uh, we all know this going to happen. They traded for a young reliever from the Brewers. You know, he'll be up and down all year this year. So it, just treat the Rays like you, like you normally would. You don't, you don't pay for the saves from last year. You're, you're just hoping to get a guy that gets a couple when you need them. And we mentioned we mentioned Tommy Romero uh, as a deep as a deep guy on episode. No, 1, I have I have seen his name too. Now that's definitely somebody else that we would want to keep track of, depending on what role he gets. Exactly, and, and Ian Seymour is another name in the poll. One thing I would say, you know, Brooks Raley, they got him from Houston. <laughs> you look at what Raley's able to do. Uh, don't just buy into the fact that oh, he's a lefty. I mean, they have other lefty options. Colin Poche is coming back this year. Uh, so it's like they have other options. But again, there's not a full-time closer on this team. Uh, there's probably going to be you know, three guys with five-plus saves. It's going to happen. Nobody's going to have 25 saves. I, I would be stunned uh, unless, they, unless they go out and be like, hey, Chicago, you want you want Kevin Kiermaier? We'll take Kimbrell. You need a they, real they center did. fielder? We need a we – you know, we'll take this – because they've tried to chase Kimbrel at least twice. I was say I read I read more than one source that said they yeah. tried to get they tried to get Kimbrel last year at the deadline and couldn't yeah. do it. 
I know they tried, they've tried twice uh, and they've been runner up uh, both times. So that would, you know, to me, you know, I've, I've always said, I, I, I've got, it's time for Kiermaier to go somewhere else. Uh, there, there's other options, but you know, when you look at salaries, it's like, <laughs> uh, but I don't think that trade will ever get done. Uh, but that's really the only way I see uh, somebody getting 20 plus saves for this team is if that happens. Otherwise, no. Uh, let's move over to another situation. Uh, that I think Greg and I are going to disagree upon because uh, I think he is a big fan of Mr. Gregory Soto. We're talking about the Detroit Tigers. I am not a Soto guy, and I keep seeing Soto rise in the ADP. People are feeling like he's kind of the guy in Detroit. Greg, is he the? Is he your guy in Detroit? Um. Well, I mean, if AJ Hinch says so, but I also w- will say that he's not going to get every save chance. Um. You know, Hinch even said, he goes, Greg Soto is my closer, but that doesn't mean he won't appear in the seventh or eighth inning if we need him to. So, again, you you can't take him as your number one. Um, but I, I understand the trepidation when you look at the walk rate and the other stuff, but at least when they did the sticky substance, so if you use June 21st as your arbitrary, like that's the first day they started doing checks. He did have a 28.3 K percentage. Now again, still 14.5 walk rate, but he, his swinging strike percentage actually went up after the breakdown, after the crackdown. Um, Aroldis Chapman in that same time frame had a 17.9 walk percentage, but we give him a pass. So, you know, one of them's in his twenties and one of them is in his thirties nearing free agency. Now, again, I know one, a couple of guys on staff are, are big Chapman backers, and they think that he can turn things around and have a great year this year. Um, if you're saying purely at their ADP, I would rather have Soto at his ADP than Chapman at his, and that's that's where I'm just going to put it. Fulmer will be a factor, and then deeper league players. Um, keep keep tabs on Alex Lang. If, if the Tigers fade from contention and they decide to trade Fulmer, Alex Lang um, was a was a starter who converted to the bullpen. His last 18 outings, he had a 1.37 ERA, uh, 19 strikeouts and 19.2 innings. But um, he's got a curve with a 33.3 swing strike percentage in that time frame, as we were talking about Hewer earlier, and a changeup with a 27.3 swing strikeout percentage. So this is a guy who, if he can get ahead and use those other two pitches. Could be a very sneaky second half, like ancillary save option, or if you're an AL only, that's a guy that you want to keep in your reserves just in case he shifts into that Fulmer secondary right-handed uh, closer role with the Tigers. Um, again, if I'm if I'm projecting Soto, I'll say 23 saves this year, and the other guys are going to be involved. But you know, I'm not going to tell you that Soto's going to get 30 saves and be lights out. I mean, unless his walk rate goes down to 10 or below. 23 saves isn't anything to sneeze at when you're getting a guy outside the top 280p. Jason, where are you at? Last year. Yeah. I just, I don't trust that walk rate. I really, really don't. Yeah. I just, I can't put a guy like that on my When you say that walk rate compared to Chapman's, what do you think? Because everyone gives, everyone's like, oh, Chapman's going to be fine. I owned Chapman and Tout last year. He cost me two different matchups. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, I, I haven't been drafting Chapman either. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so <laughs> I, 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 I double tapped on class A in, uh, and Rossi Iglesias in, in, in my most recent, uh, DC. So, uh, wow. you know, just not messing with these guys, Jason, are you messing with Soto and this Tigers bullpen? 
I mean, I have Soto in an AL Keeper League at $7, uh, and I have no thoughts of of changing that. Like, I'm not going to keep he's, – he's staying on my roster. Uh, and I had the option. He was somebody um, – I could have moved him off, but I, he's staying on my roster. But with the – I mean, when you look at what you need, walks are definitely a problem, and I'm not going to – I'm not going to pretend that they're not. But if you can get enough strikeouts, you can offset the walks. Uh, and that's really where it comes down to him. If he can get the get enough strikeouts to do that, he can offset the walks and, and can keep the job. Uh, I believe you know getting what do you have eighteen saves last year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's I would say fifteen to twenty is a realistic number for him uh, to repeat because they just don't have a lot of options. I mean, maybe they could do it with Fulmer, uh, but that's where I would. I don't think there's another level and that walk rate's not going to get any better. If you watch and pitch, you can just see why it is way it is. Uh, but again, if, if he can keep enough strikeouts to off balance that uh, to counteract the walks, then it, it's doable. And that's really how Chapman's surviving because you know, he can still, uh, that's why you say he's had to evolve. I mean, he started adding the splitter last year. It was a really unhittable pitch for him uh, and that continued to work. So we'll see how they can, how they can uh, continue to hide him for that. But, yeah, again, it really depends value. I'm, I'm not. I'm looking at his ADP over the last month in draft champions at 163. Somebody's gone as high as 115. Thoughts and prayers to you. Uh, that's that's tough. <laughs> yeah, and that that's the scary part. You start seeing a guy like that get pushed up that high. Mm-hmm. What, let's let's talk about the Twins. Um, you, you know, this is a team that I think threw some people for a loop last year. I think there were a lot of people who uh, you know bet on a number of different guys and uh, were disappointed. Is there a guy, Jason, in this bullpen you think is going to emerge as the job? Maybe a different Rogers, a Taylor Rogers. Man, uh, it's a tough it's a tough situation because you know Baldelli comes from that same uh, farm that same coaching farm tree of we don't need a full time closer, we can just use this guy or that guy, and we'll continue to to roll around. I mean, I'd liked. Uh, Jorge Acala was one guy when I watched this team pit when I watched this team last year was one guy that I enjoyed watching pitch. Like I could see like there's, there's some potential there. Uh, and I ended up grabbing him in one league uh, just for the, the future to see if something were to shake out. Also at Tyler Duffy at one point. Um, but this isn't, I guess my, my goal in a draft would be to avoid getting like, this is where I've got to go find my closer too. Cause that's a really tough, and this is closer three territory. Um, if you're in a, in a 12 team mix, this is, this is the kind of club you look at for your closer three. Mm-hmm. Yep. Greg, I, what are I, I agree with a lot of that. I, I want to see a report where Taylor Rogers is throwing, which we have heard nothing about. Um, you know, we don't know how finger injuries linger. Uh, that that's a weird one. And they were going to trade him at the deadline before his injury. And I don't see why, if they're not competing this year, they won't trade him again. So I would, I would agree. I, I talked about Alcala at first pitch um, and, and the increased changeup usage really unlocked his, his end of the season, his last 14 outings, 0.57 ERA, 18 strikeouts, two walks. And I know it's a small sample size, but that, that's stuff you want to see. You, you want to see that chasm in, in strikeouts and walks and, and the fact that his swing strike percentage went up with his pitches by using the changeup more. So this is someone that's selling the seeds. He got to save the last uh, last game of the year, 1.1 innings versus uh, the Royals with three strikeouts. That's a nice way to end the year. I don't think a lot of people are talking about him. So if you're patient, um, he might get the job, say, in June, and he could run with it. Now, there's no guarantees, but that's just, you know, 
aligning with what Jason said. If, if I'm taking a late stab, this is a name that I'm tucking away. Yeah, I've been kind of going back and forth on on Rodgers because I, I really like him, and I think if he were to stay on this Twins team, he could be the guy. Mm-hmm. That being said, I don't think he's on – the more and more I think about it, I don't know that he's on this team come opening day. Uh, you know, the Mets were a team that expressed interest before the shutdown. I think a lot of other teams, the Giants including, have been a team that have expressed interest. I think he's going to be a hot name once trading does kind of resume, once yep. the CBA and, is and, all figured out. And he's in his arbitration, which the Twins don't yeah. like. Yeah, exactly. I think he's he's projected to make $6 million uh, this year, which I don't know that the Twins want to spend $6 million on a reliever uh, at this point where they're at. So, Akala, I think, is a really, really interesting player. Um, Tyler Duffy is a guy who could probably get some save opportunities as well. Uh, so, But this is probably a situation I might try to just avoid moving forward uh, until we have a little bit more clarity. Um, go ahead, moving over to the uh, AL West, uh, I mentioned Lou Trevino is a guy that I have drafted on a number of occasions. Um, I think he's probably the guy to start the season in Oakland because I just don't see them making any moves. This seems like a team that uh, is wanting to sell away. And so I don't think they're necessarily going to be adding any major additions to that bullpen like we saw them do with uh, Trevor Rosenthal. Uh, Greg, is Lou Trevino seeming like the guy or is someone else going to emerge? What I would like to do is is see him borrow what other pitchers have done and, and work a little bit more backwards and be more aggressive using his changeup more. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that could be a key to him rebounding. Now, he had a very good stretch. Uh, again, this is another situation where a team just absolutely wore him out. His his usage, when you look in, in before they removed him from the row in August, I mean, it was unfair how much they were putting him out there. Uh, they kind of set him up for a little bit of failure, and we knew regression would come to get him eventually. Uh, so now we got a new manager, uh, possible rebuild. Yeah. I, it, it could be Trevino cause what, what's behind them? Diolos Guerra and Domingo Acevedo. I mean, Acevedo does have some stuff and had decent numbers in triple a, but they didn't give him much run in high leverage last year. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to throw a dart here, it's probably Trevino, but again, it, you're, you're in third closer territory. Agreed. Jason thoughts on Oakland bullpen messy. Uh, I really want them to give the job to AJ Puck though. It's like, we, when you look at the stuff, I mean, just that, just to have him go out there and eat with the fastball and slider and just like try forget trying to throw an off speed pitch. It's not going to work. Just go out there and eat uh, like they did with Jake Diekman back in the day. Just go out there and throw it uh, and, and see what happens. You know, try to keep that, that arm healthy, try to squeeze whatever value you can out of him. Uh, so again, I know I've mentioned a couple of deeper league targets, but I, I want to believe that they're going to try something with puck this year. They realize the, the rotation is not going to happen for him and mm-hmm. he's got the best raw stuff in that pen. See what he has. Yeah. I, if we could keep the kid healthy, I mean, that's yeah. the whole thing. I mean, that's, you know, he's I, a guy that I, heard I, typing I, his name out and his name's I, only got five I, letters. I've loved it. him. I've loved him and I've loved his stuff. I mean, that's, yeah. you know. Similar to him would be Ryan Weathers in San Diego. I mean, if yeah. he's not going to be a starter, just put him in the bullpen and let him let him rock. But, you know, we got to see what they're going to do with these things. Yeah. All right, let's finish out with one of the most uh, jumbled situations, I think, in Major League Baseball. I released my reliever ranks recently, and I got a lot of heat from people because they were like, how do you have three different Seattle Mariners ranked 
right around the same spot. And I said, because I don't know. I have no idea what they're going to do. They've got Drew Steckenrider, Paul Seawald, Diego Castillo, Ken Giles, Andres Munoz, Greg, make some sense of this. Is there a guy, or should we just kind of avoid what seems like kind of a clusterfuck? <laughs> we can swear on this? Uh, anyways. Um, we get one an episode, so okay, that's all right. Cool. <laughs> get as many as you want. Know, we were just on that thing with, you know, with with Nick, so we were yeah, we yeah. told we couldn't. This so. isn't pitcher list. We can swear as much as we want. Come on, I love Nick. Anyway, so um, Seattle, uh, let let somebody else figure it out. There, there another one. If I go through the monthly things, you're gonna go wait what? So um, if you want the guy that I think is the HLR, it's probably Sewell. So he'll give you a handful of relief wins, a handful of saves, and help protect your ratios. I think that's fine. Um, if you're taking anybody thinking that they're going to get 20 plus saves in this bullpen, I think you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. And I know some people think Giles will get the job because they're paying him to be the closer, but they signed him at a, a two year deal when he was going through Tommy John surgery. If, if Seattle doesn't compete this year and, and let's remember, um, you know, they're, they were 33 and 19 in one run games last year. I mean, that's 634 winning percentage. Can they really repeat something like that this year? I mean, yeah, they got Robbie Ray and, and think again, they could contend, but if they don't contend, you don't think they're going to trade Giles on an expiring contract? No, there's no way he's going to still be, be with Seattle. So, um, in a keeper league, um, I'm talking away Munoz who signed a team friendly four year deal. Uh, I could see him getting saves in the second half. If you think Steckenrider's re, re, replicating what he did last year, look at his underlying numbers. I, I, I can't see that happening again. He was just a hot hand. Scott Service rides the hot hand, and it could be it could be Castillo this week. So you're looking at the Reds of the of the majors probably for 2022 in the AL. That's that would be my correlation here. Yeah, to your Giles point about him potentially getting traded. Don't forget they, that they traded Kendall Graveman in the like heat of a yeah. playoff race. Like they, like and the team loved them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, I don't think anybody's safe if they're on an expiring deal in Seattle. Uh, Jason, finish this out on Seattle. Oh, yeah, it is. You know, with Castillo, it really comes down to conditioning uh, for him. He came into he came into the season last year. Velocity was down, uh, and it had been trending down. You look at his velocity chart. And see how it's how it was trending down. And he when he's when he's fast when he's fastball and slider, he's got to have the velocity and get that separation. He was lacking it. It was, it was problematic when the Rays. You know, obviously when the Rays traded him, I wasn't heartbroken uh, because it was. Uh, I thought it was time. Uh, you'd rather trade a guy away, uh, you know, a couple of weeks too early than a couple of weeks too late with that. You know, for me, when I stare at the ADP and I see Ken Giles is is the second pitcher is the first reliever out of this uh, out of this bullpen. And the second pitcher, Ray is obviously a front, Logan Gilbert, but then Ken Giles over the last month, draft champions 240. Uh, again, he had his surgery, his Tommy John surgery, October 1st, 2020. So in my two-year window, out. Because even when Giles was good, the problem we had uh, when, when he's had his struggles was walk rate. Again, with command, that's the problem. And Greg, uh, really love the point that you brought up about how they overachieved their expected win-loss because they were so incredible um, in the in those close and late games. Um, and it's the uh, 
parachute principle, I forget exactly, but it, you know, what comes up has got to come down. Uh, and so the opportunities for there, I mean, there were three guys in his bullpen last year that had double digit saves. And we're not even talking about Giles, uh, who's got a history of, of doing that type of thing. But to me, I don't understand why Giles is the first guy out the door here by 60 picks over the other guys. But that said, it's going to be, I don't see a full-time guy here either, even though there are some skills, it's going to get down the matchups, but I would be fading Giles personally um just because it's, it's been a principle that's worked very well for me he's not two years out of that window yes he may get some saves but the command's going to not be there and that's going to lead to walks and home runs which we cannot tolerate from a closer absolutely that is going to do it for this awesome episode of relief pitching uh greg thank you so much for joining us thank you for having me on this i got two of the three of my triumvirate so Jeff Erickson, if you're out there, I'm just waiting for one time there, and then we'll we'll have it all. There we go. We'll well, that out. should be an easy one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff definitely should have you on. Uh, it's always fun to go on the Rotowire podcast. And I love talking closers with Ryan. So from Rotowire, mm-hmm. so that's yeah. I, the one thing I love about the reliever community is we're very tight knit. I mean, you know, I did my presentation with Doug at Baseball HQ. He's a great guy, uh, and uh, you know, Mike Carter, who works for a couple of different sites. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're you know. I, I think the closer community, we, we don't get the in-house fighting like some of these other things you see in the <laughs> other stuff. So, I mean, we all, that's because you guys have a wide opinion. That's the thing. It's like, there's, you because we understand the pain everybody goes through trying to yeah i was about things. to say you're all masochists so like you <laughs> yes. have that in common that you enjoy the pain being inflicted upon you precisely uh, i i appreciate all the work you uh you guys in the reliever kind of subsection of, of the fantasy community do because it makes my life a hell of a lot easier to be able to go and read your guys's work especially your work um greg uh like i said i've been a huge supporter of of the closer charts for years i will continue to do that now that you guys are doing the patreon stuff remind everybody where they can subscribe uh to your closer work and uh follow you on social media all right well there's a link in my uh in the twitter so it's at gjewett9 um and i know a couple of the other guys that work with me on the site um also have it in there and i i think aaron started a a uh tiktok and something else which is stuff that i'm not familiar with but god bless him for doing that um but again it's reliever recon on patreon so if you just search the the name it should bring you to our page um if you've used or bookmarked the closer charts from the past um you can just ask for sharing access and i send a link to the site if you want to join i don't require it but obviously um, the closer charts this year will be for subs only. Um, thank you for the kind words, and, and it was great meeting you and Jason in person at, at first pitch. I look forward to tout and being able to see everybody down in New York City, and uh, it's going to be a great time. And, again, the, the support's been overwhelming. I appreciate it. I mean, we just launched this back in October. Uh, we're already at, I think, at 113 subscribers, which is cool. Um, and, and it, and, you know, I never really meant for this to be my only niche, but that's just kind of what's happened. And I just kind of ran with it. So masochist that I am apparently. <laughs> well, I will definitely subscribe, uh, later today. I will also put a link to, uh, that, uh, uh, to the Patreon in, uh, in the show notes today. So that way if people want an easy way to just click on it while they listen to the podcast, they can do that. Really appreciate you coming on, Greg, Jason. Where can you be reached? What are you working on? I am at Jason Collette on Twitter uh, and Rotowire. I'm working on the, this would be the 
N, no, the AL Central bold prediction. So I've got the AL and NL Central bold predictions here uh, over the next uh, week. Again, power permitting, I'll be able to finish the uh, AL and then the AL and the NL will be later. So those two are coming out. The the um, AL, the East, the Eastern uh, divisions already done. So there are now, that's 20 uh, of the of the 60 that are live uh, out there. So please come check that out. You can always get a free 10-day trial, rotowire.com forward slash radio, uh, get you 10 free days. So you can go look. And in fact, the uh, AL East one's free. So you just go to the website and read and see how I put those together. Uh, if you would like to, uh, to dive in this year, I've got a, I had a really, last year was probably my best year uh, in a few years in the bull predictions. Had some really, really nice ones uh, play out between that and the value and scrap heap article uh, that, that I do every year. So uh, looking forward to this year. Um, and we have, as Greg said, we have tout, we have labor uh, coming up the opening weekend of March um, at the first pitch Florida. Uh, that USA Today slash HQ will be hosting in Clearwater. So I'm um, looking forward to going down to that too. And that's about it. All right. You can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason, FWFB, uh, and hear me on this Sleeper in the Bus podcast, obviously. But uh, the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast, I'll be starting the TGFBI podcast up here uh, pretty shortly as well. TGFBI signups go through the end of the month. Uh, most of my written works on fan graphs, uh, where you catch my ranks and ADP movement uh, pieces all throughout the off season. Uh, that will wrap us up. Thank you for listening. Uh, Paul and I will be back on Tuesday to talk more fun stuff. Uh, definitely subscribe to the Patreon for the sleeper in the bus. So you can watch this live. This one was live for people Had a few people kind of checking in throughout the episode. So, uh, we appreciate all of you watching lives, uh, and that have been supporting us. But with that, have a fantastic baseball season. <laughs>